You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, off and running. Wednesday, March 25th. Good morning. Welcome in. How is everyone holding up? Hopefully you are staying safe. Hopefully you are staying home if you can. And of course, the theme song, a salute to you, uh, to, to those of you that are, uh, you know, basically out there helping the world run in these uh, very uncertain times. Good morning. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Hopefully you are staying safe. So to the uh, delivery workers, the supermarket workers, all the first responders, all the people, the doctors, the nurses, hospital workers, garbage men, all those people that, you know, just can't work from home and that are still out there, especially at this hour of the morning, getting out there and uh, helping the world still function. We thank you. We appreciate you. Lots to do on this Wednesday edition. We take you up, of course, until 6 o'clock. Golick and Wingo then. The number, of course, you know, that is still up and running. Never closed. 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. That's, of course, where you can find the always popular, the ever popular, Gordon Damer Show, rewatchable movie bracket. Such a rousing success, thanks to you. I think we really hit on something here that uh, resonates with people. So two teams, two movies into the Elite Eight yesterday. Two more spots up for grabs today. Another number one seat is going to be in action when voting opens up a little bit later in the show. Which number one seat? Well, you're going to have to wait to find out. I'm not going to give away the store right off the bat. So we'll recap yesterday's matchups. Get you set from there. And really, look, it's fun to to pick all the movies. It's fun to seed all the movies. But when you really get down to brass tacks, when you get when the rubber hits the road, the Elite Eight is where you really separate the men from the boys. You know, some movies you can debate, oh, well, you know, this movie should have been in, that movie should have been in. Most times, those movies were never going to make it very far. Now we're into the real heavy hitters. So we'll kind of recap. We'll update the bracket and uh, I, I, I will update the bracket, the technical bracket that I will put out uh, after the show. And I should really say, finally get the wife to update the bracket. You know, she's the technical person who does the real the real work. I'm the idea man. You know, I come up with the ideas and I, I allow other people to uh, actually have, uh, you know, a role in carrying those ideas out. I can't do everything. I'm just one man. But lots of things happening in the sports world yesterday. And got to be honest. Not much of it good, <laughs> right? Depends on where you fall on the Robbie Anderson move. But the two real headlines yesterday, Noah Syndergaard, and then uh, you get the news about Robbie Anderson signing with Carolina, and then the Jets pivoting to uh, signing Brashad Perriman. So let's start with the uh, the Syndergaard stuff, because uh, talk about a move that felt like it came out of nowhere, right? You have camps closed. Baseball, you have no idea when the camps are going to open. You have no idea when the season might begin. You have no idea really right now if there's even going to be a season. And I was actually on Twitter yesterday when Jeff Passan, ESPN's own Jeff Passan, tweeted out the news that Noah Syndergaard was going to have to undergo Tommy John surgery. We'll miss, obviously, all of this year. We'll miss a lot of next year, too. Uh, or at least at the start of next year too. And my first reaction was, well, obviously this is a, this is a fake account, right? This is, this is an Ardarn Schefter situation, right? I actually had to look at Jeff Passan's Twitter handle to make sure it was Jeff with two F's, not three. Jeff Passan with two S's, not one or whatever. Uh, but then you get the confirmation and uh, it's devastating from a baseball perspective. And look, you might not be viewing things right now. 
through a baseball perspective. And I completely get that. We don't know if there's even going to be a baseball season and in what form it was going, it's going to take. It's clearly going to be reduced. It's not going to be what we thought we were going to be getting starting tomorrow, right? The 26th was supposed to be opening day. So I get it right now if you're not in a baseball frame of mind. But if you let your mind drift to the possibility of a baseball season, and if you're a Met fan, that was not the news you were hoping for yesterday. It's simply a crusher. Simply a crusher because if there is a baseball season, that was a devastating blow to whatever postseason hopes the Mets can dream to have. The Mets rotation, despite its reputation and its its actual production since, what, 2015, coming into this year, the Mets rotation was not really a strength. It's a strength at the top, or it was supposed to be a strength at the top, but it's not deep. And the hope was that Syndergaard would finally blossom into this co-ace, kind of get back to the guy he was in 2016, and finally be what it looks like he he's always been kind of destined to be. You watch him at times, and the feeling is, well, it's not that he is going to be a good pitcher or that he's going to be a great pitcher, given his stuff, given his ability, given his fastball, his slider, his physique, this big, strong guy who at times can look unhittable. You kind of think and you envision that he's not just going to be a good or great pitcher. He might be the best pitcher at some point. And that is simply not to be. And now you have to wonder if it will ever be. And certainly if it ever will be for the Mets. Now, Tommy John Surge, I was driving around yesterday. I had to pick up a couple of things and heard Jeff Passan on the K-Show. And he was kind of talking about, you know, he wrote a book about Tommy John surgery called The Arm. And he seemed much more pessimistic about, you know, the, 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 the chances of Noah Syndergaard coming back. Well, look, it's not a shoulder. It's an elbow. The elbow in Tommy John surgery is becoming quite common. And for the Mets, it certainly is common. But you have to really question not so much whether or not he ever gets back, although with the physical abilities of him, you do have to wonder, you know, if this has more of an impact on him in that way than maybe another pitcher. But you have to wonder whether or not the Mets will ever get to see the best of Noah Syndergaard or whether they've already seen the best of Noah Syndergaard for them. Because now he's out this year. Now he is under team control for next year and then is a free agent. But again, with Tommy John surgery and the uncertainty surrounding that, and given the state of the world with hospitals right now, you know, no uh, elective surgeries, You kind of have to question whether or not he's when he's going to even be able to get this surgery. Now, Chris Sale, they already made the announcement that he was going to undergo Tommy John surgery. They said that the procedure would happen soon. That was last week. And it's not happened to my knowledge. The Red Sox have not announced that as of yet. I'm assuming it's because it has not happened as of yet. And you have to wonder, is this surgery for Noah Syngard, just the technical parts of it, given the state of the world, whether or not that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, if it's going to happen in the next month, will it happen in the month of May? I mean, you just don't know right now. And the Mets, who had a statement yesterday saying that they expect him to be ready for next April, you know, I feel that's adorable, guys. But expecting anything at this point, again, given the state of the world, seems like it is a, a bit of a reach. Now, for the Mets fan, who's going to say, you know, why us, always us, 
Well, here's the thing. Last year, in terms of health, the Mets rotation was very healthy. Every team has injuries. Certain guys are always going to be hurt. But last year, you got 32 starts out of uh, Jacob DeGrom. You got 32 starts out of Syndergaard. You got 31 out of Wheeler. You got, I think you got 32 out of Mats. You got 30 starts, or at least I think it was 30 starts, from Steven Mats last year. Now this year, if there is a this year, Strowman's going to be there for whatever is the full season. But the rotation was not as large, not as strong a strength as it has been. And now you lose Syndergaard. So you're what you're asking, if you're a Met fan looking towards the season and whatever it is, you have to ask Jacob DeGrom to not just continue. You ha- He has to be the best again. Stroman has to now be your number two and be reliable when, now it wasn't a large sample size, what was it, 12 starts, 13 starts that he had last year. He has to be even better than he was last year. And then you have to have Matt stay healthy again. And then you kind of have to hope to not only get health out of Rick Porcello and Michael Waka, but they have to be pretty good because the the next line uh, of defense for the, the rotation is a lot of guys you've seen before or guys that are just completely unproven, like uh, the kid David Peterson, who was a high pick a couple of years ago, but I don't believe has ever pitched uh, above double A. And then you're talking about Walter Lockett or Corey Oswalt or, you know, again, who knows if there'll even be baseball in 2020, but if there isn't, boy, what a team video the Mets can put together, right? Just off of what has happened since the end of last year. Beltron, the manager, no, he's not. Steve Cohen's buying the team. No, he's not. Baseball gets shut down. And in the process, Noah Syndergaard needs Tommy John surgery when nothing's going on. So brutal blow for him. Brutal blow for the Mets. And at a time where we all wished we were getting ready for the season, a time that has somehow turned into this depressing kind of, uh, you know, droning on and on, just hoping that the world gets back to normal. The Mets somehow, when everything feels like it's very uncertain and, and very negative right now, Mets yesterday gave you some news to somehow make you feel worse, which is not easy to do. One thing I did not mention in the open, and uh, if you've been you know, online this morning looking at the ESPN.com, it's uh, prominently featured there. I think it's the top story right now. Carl Anthony Towns announced yesterday that his mom uh, has been hospitalized and is now in a medically induced coma because of complications, what looks like uh, from coronavirus. He uh, gave the details. It was an Instagram post that he had, uh, very emotional, obviously, as you would figure and some of the details he gave which are becoming you know fairly common at this point talking about his mom's condition very high fever fever would come down some would spike again she st- she started to feel better at one point and then obviously took a turn for the worse so uh, hopefully all the best for he and his family now it doesn't say i read a couple of stories this morning it doesn't say if he's been in contact you know person to person or whether or not it's just contact uh, you know over the phone I know he was born and raised in Jersey. Uh, I don't know if that's where his parents still live, but he said that his parents, both of his parents, his mom and his dad, were not feeling well over the past, uh, I guess, the course of the week, and they were both tested. I guess they have not gotten those results back as of yet. His father is uh, doing uh, better than his mother. I guess he's still you know, uh, dealing with some symptoms because he's been told to uh, self-quarantine as they uh, await the uh, results. And, you know, the reason he's doing this is to get people 
to take it seriously. And it feels like most people are, right? I feel like most people that I'm in contact with are taking it super seriously. Some of us who are germaphobes and hypochondriacs to begin with, like myself, uh, we're probably, you know, going a little overboard with some of the things that we're doing, but it's still not everyone. And really what you have to wonder is for the people who, not, not the people who have to go out to work, the people that have to do it to keep the world running, but just other people who all of a sudden feel like they have to go outside all the time and, and go here and go there. You have to wonder for the people that still don't get it, the seriousness of it, is there anything you can say or do? Is there any convincing them? Because it really doesn't feel like it. All right, so it's the Gordon Damer Show. We're not going to depress you all show, but uh, obviously there's some very serious news out there, and uh, you know that, and take it seriously. Be safe. Stay home if you can. But we do want to try to entertain you and give you the sports news and the movie bracket. We still have that to come. But I did want to touch on the Robbie Anderson move yesterday. We were, it seems like, right, 24 hours ago, we were talking about the Jets making their moves and what it was going to mean in terms of bringing back Robbie Anderson. You got the Brian Poole move, Jenkins, and, you know, kind of under the radar moves, not breaking the bank for either of them. And really smart business deals, considering how both those guys, Poole and uh, Jenkins, produced last year. Young guys, $5 million apiece for a, a roster that needs a lot of work and a lot of areas. And every roster can use another corner, and every roster could use another guy who could get after the quarterback some. So then you were wondering, all right, Robbie Anderson. That was a big question heading into the offseason. Would the Jets bring him back, his relationship with Sam Darnold, the need to surround Darnold with weapons, which the Jets don't have all that many of. And then you get the news that Robbie Anderson off to Carolina, two years, $20 million, $12 million guaranteed, not exactly breaking the bank. And remember, right before free agency, there was this talk that, oh, there's going to be this strong market for Robbie Anderson. And that never materialized. Two years, $20 million is not, you know, anything, uh, anything all that great. And it makes it clear that if the goal is surround, uh, to surround Sam Darnold with weapons, two for 20 for a speed wide receiver, that's not that bad. Like that's certainly not some price tag that you go, Oh, well, we could never match that. It's pretty clear that Joe Douglas, it's pretty clear the Jets did not value Robbie Anderson even at that price. Because like for, I don't think anybody thinks Robbie Anderson's a number one or is going to develop into a number one. But two for 20, that's not too bad. So whatever price Joe Douglas had for Robbie Anderson, it's pretty clear two for 20 was not it. So then the Jets go to plan B, which was uh, to sign Brashard Perriman who's bounced around, was a first-round pick of the Ravens, had some injury problems there, really never uh, hit the ground running. He's, uh, I think he played for Washington, Cleveland, last year with Tampa Bay, and he seems like a reasonable replacement, assuming he stays healthy. And now he is coming off a career year for him, but the money is fine. I think it was, what, $6 bucks. I will give Joe Douglas credit for this. He could have had a very short-term view here. And I'm sure there's a section of the fan base that wants him to have a short-term outlook. Like, we have to be better right now. We don't have enough weapons. So two for 20, which is not unreasonable for Robbie Anderson, you have to make that deal to, so we need more weapons, right? The Jets' offense was terrible last year with Robbie Anderson. I think it was the, the worst-ranked offense in the NFL. If it was not the worst, it was pretty close to the bottom. Depends on what metric you're using, right? Points, yards, whatever. 
So Joe Douglas could have had a very short-term outlook of being like, you know what, we can't afford to lose any weapons, so if we have to overpay, overpay. And it's clear that Douglas is taking a little bit more of a long-term approach and did not feel any internal pressure of, oh, man, what if we lose him? He had a backup plan. He followed the plan. And they did not value uh, Robbie Anderson. And if you're ever going to be good, if you ever want to have some faith that Joe Douglas knows what he's doing, you have to hope that he can and the Jets can self-evaluate their own talent. That's the first, you know, we always talk about scouting players for the draft. You have to be good at that. You have to be good at scouting teams, others, you know, other players on other teams. The first thing it starts with in any sport, baseball, football, bat, you have to be able to know what you have on your own roster. But that price was clearly uh, not two for 20. I don't think the Jets will miss Robbie Anderson all that much. He's a tantalizing player, right? And he, at times, shows you flashes, but it's only flashes. He disappears a lot. There were a lot of games, even last year. And I'm not talking about when um, when Darnold was out. There were other games, too. <coughs> Excuse me. There were other games, too, where he just, uh, you know, he just disappears. And I don't think that there's going to be a time where you look back and say to yourself, oh, my God, you know, we really missed the boat by signing Robbie Anderson. Taking a look at just his game log last year, um, Philly, he had, uh, what was it, one for 16, and that was a game where, um, where, where Darnold was out. But even Washington, one catch for six yards. The Giant game, one catch for 11 yards. So he's not a guy, and I don't think anybody thinks of him as a guy who's a number one receiver. The only caveat that you could put on it is, again, it gets back to self-evaluating, and it doesn't seem like the front office put much of a price tag on him. And it clear, it's clear, right, that, that Adam Gase has a strong voice in, in the decisions that the Jets make as the head coach. There was a narrative that surfaced last year, and I think it has some merit about guys who got away from Gase and flourished in other places. Now, I don't think that Robbie Anderson is going to be one of those guys. I, I actually don't think he's a very good fit for Carolina at, at all because, um, you know, their passing game is not going to be some take deep shots down the field with, um, with everything that they got going on. Maybe if they kept Cam Newton, which they didn't. But now with everything they have, uh, I don't really see the, the fit there, even though he does have a connection with Matt Rule from their time at Temple and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think that Robbie Anderson is going to be a player that Jet fans look back on and say, oh, my God, how did we ever let that guy get away? But it is interesting to keep in mind that that narrative out there from, from Gase's time in Miami, a lot of guys either either left him in his time with Miami and flourished in other places, or when he left Miami, guys flourished last year, Devontae Parker being one of them. Devontae Parker was a guy who never got along with Adam Gase, never flourished under Adam Gase, was hurt a lot of the times. That's true. That's not Adam Gase's fault. But then in the year where the Dolphins were supposed to be tanking, not supposed to win all that many games, and uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback, all of a sudden he comes up with a career year in a contract year. Now, maybe that was just part of being in a contract year, 
But Robbie Anderson was in a contract year last year, didn't exactly have some monster season either. So uh, I don't think that Robbie Anderson is going to be a player that you miss. But if it does turn out that the, you know, he goes someplace else, that is going to feed that narrative. And then it becomes bigger than just losing out on Robbie Anderson. Then you have a, a real problem in that you have a coach who every guy who he lets get away goes off someplace else and plays better. And when you talk about self-evaluation, it also comes down to production. And if you can't get the best production out of guys on your team, if you can't get guys to outperform where they would be someplace else, well, then you have a problem at head coach. You have a problem at head coach. And now what this really does also kind of makes you, you know, the Jets are kind of forced now to be looking at wide receiver in the opening round. Now, maybe that's part of it, right? Maybe they already knew that. A lot of teams, it seems like that's the reason why the wide receiver market really never uh, materialized for most guys outside of Omari Cooper. But it's almost like they're almost forced now in one of the first two picks that they have to go out and um, land a wide receiver, a big-time wide receiver who's got to kind of come in right away. And if you're looking for a step forward from Sam Darnold this year, which you would hope, right, year three, this is the time, then you would uh, you would have to expect that guy to hit the ground running right away. So it puts a little bit of pressure on them there. But at least uh, for, for Joe Douglas, I don't think that he had a short-term outlook here. He kind of had a long-term approach. And I think generally for a rebuilding team, which the Jets clearly still are, that was the right approach. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So we can get into that and the uh, possibility that the draft is going to be pushed back, which it feels like, right? I mean, with the way the world is right now and all the things that, that NFL teams want to do and, and conduct things with tests and, and, and interviews and all these type of things with players, it seems like they're going to almost have to push it back at least a while, at least a month, right? And what does that mean for the rest of the NFL calendar in the offseason? But we don't have anything on that yet. What we do have is the rewatchable movie bracket. Oh, my goodness. It's back. We're ready for another round. Yesterday, two results, two more matchups today that we have to get to. So I guess we'll start with the matchups yesterday, which, uh, you know, I looked around and I said, all right, which are the ones that I'm most intrigued about? So let's get a little music there, Brian, if we can. The first matchup in the Sweet 16 came in the drama region. And the number one overall seed, the number one seed in the drama region, but the number one overall seed, Goodfellas, getting set for its, I guess you'd have to say, toughest matchup so far for a spot in the Elite Eight. Goodfellas against the number five seed Braveheart. How would Goodfellas do against William Wallace, who certainly faced long odds before? Well, unfortunately for Braveheart, it was not to be because Goodfellas got out to an early lead and ran away with it. Just you're seeing the power of Goodfellas now as if you needed to know the power of Goodfellas. You should know it, right? You come home one o'clock in the morning, got to get up for work and Goodfellas is on up. Oh, well, now I know what I'm doing now. I'd like to go to bed, but I'm powerless to stop it. It's Goodfellas. And Goodfellas does move on. 80 to 20 over Braveheart. <laughs> you're a big cop. You're really funny. You're really funny. Uh, what do you mean I'm funny? <laughs> it's funny, you know. It's a good story. It's funny. You're a funny guy. <laughs> what do you mean? You mean the way I talk? What? <laughs> Just you know, you, it's, you're just funny. It's funny, you know the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, oh, Anthony, he's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? You're right. Funny how? 
Yeah, we're going to have to cut it right there because, you know, <laughs> that might be the longest stretch of any dialogue by Joe Pesci in the movie without having a, a little profanity in it. So, Goodfellas, the first team, the number one seed in the drama region, the number one overall seed is into the Elite Eight. Not a shock there, not a surprise, but still a dominating performance and a new record in terms of vote total. Over, well over a thousand votes. So Goodfellas, uh, a record performance and a dominating performance over Braveheart. Now, the only question is, can anything slow it down? And then we move on to the other bracket on that side of the, on, uh, of the sheet. And it is, uh, the comedy region. The number one seed, Ferris Bueller, we gave them an extra day of rest. They're going to need to rest up to face off against Wedding Crashers, whatever that is. But we did go with the 2-3 matchup of My Cousin Vinny facing off against Anchorman. Now, I will say, and I said yesterday, Anchorman, clearly the more quotable movie, I think. And most people know it just from the quotes. But would My Cousin Vinny be able to overcome the quotable nature of Anchorman. My cousin Vinny, so fantastic with, of course, Joe Pesci. Lisa, I don't need this. I swear to God, I do not need this right now, okay? I got a judge that's just aching to throw me in jail. An idiot who wants to fight me for $200. Slaughtered pigs. Giant loud whistles. I ain't slept in five days. I got no money, a dress code problem, and a little murder case, which in the balance holds the lives of two innocent kids. Not to mention your biological clock, my career, your life, our marriage. And let me see, what else can we pile on? Yeah, a lot of stuff going against my cousin Vinny as they faced off against the number three seed Anchorman. All right, we don't have a clip for Anchorman. I thought I sent you a clip for Anchorman. All right, never mind. Uh, my Cousin Vinny does advance. A little bit of a surprise uh, in terms of what I thought might turn out to be, but My Cousin Vinny got out to a good lead early on and uh, pretty much a workmanlike win, 55-45. So both the number one seed in the drama region, Goodfellas, is on to the Elite Eight. The number two seed in the comedy division, on to the Elite Eight. And two more matchups today. We'll move to the other side of the uh, overall bracket. And let's open it up first with the number one seed, Die Hard, back in action. John McClane ready to take on another challenge to see if he can get to the Elite Eight. I figure you're here to negotiate, am I right? You're amazing. You figured this all out already. <laughs> hey, business is business. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? Let's put it in my terms. You're here on a hostile takeover. You grab us for some green mail, but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around in the building. Am I right? Hans, Bobby, I'm your white knight. Yeah, I'm your white uh, Ellis. Ooh, Ellis, it did not turn out well for Ellis, as you probably know. And in this round, Die Hard will be going up against the number five seed, the Terminator. That Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop. Ever. Until you are dead. Yeah, not a very rosy picture there for uh, Sarah Connor. So that's the first matchup of our rewatchable movie bracket today. Die Hard versus Terminator. 
One more matchup still to come, and it will come from the wild card region. And coming up, we will tell you what it is. All right, Gordon Damer show. Moment of inspiration for today. Obviously, we don't have many highlights these days, right? There's not many highlights to have. But uh, a couple of uh, newsworthy items yesterday that uh, I guess you could look at as inspiring. First off, you had the story yesterday. We did not touch on it. But it's always good when, look, you'd like everybody to do the right thing right from the start. But at least if you get it right eventually, you're going to have to give them a little bit of credit. First off, you have the owners of the Sixers and the Devils that had initially floated this idea that they were going to institute salary reductions for 20% of its uh, salaried employees. And yesterday they decided to pull back on that. (laughs) And I'm guessing at least a portion of that was the outcry from people saying, wait a second, the people who own the Sixers and the Devils are worth billions of dollars. So to think that all of a sudden now, because of the uncertainty surrounding the outbreak of coronavirus, I get it. There's some uncertainty, but it doesn't need to be that you're cutting the, you know, you're not going to go broke by paying people what they're scheduled to make over this time period. So they came out and said, yes, all right, we're going to, you know, scrap that plan. So good for them. And also, again, you're not going to give full credit, but the NCAA will give them some credit because Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback and his girlfriend, had decided to set up a GoFundMe page to help coronavirus victims. There's nothing bigger than that right now. Well, except for the NCAA, which came in initially and uh, shut it down. Can't use your name, your likeness, your image for anything like that. Well, the NCAA, I'm I'm assuming, although, you know, there's plenty of times where they get hit hard and and, and crushed and, and they don't change their minds at all, but they have decided to make an exception during the coronavirus outbreak on the rules that prohibit student athletes from using their name like this in the image. So, uh, for crowdfunding source effort, efforts, I guess you'd say. So good for them. And you would think that the fact, like, would you have heard about that story that Trevor Lawrence was organizing this fundraiser if it had not been for the NCAA coming in? And trying to to put the kibosh on it. So the fact that they actually came in and acted like the NCAA only to pull back probably is going to get them a few more dollars. So so good for them. So that's your moment of inspiration for this Wednesday. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. We were uh, touching on our rewatchable movie bracket there. But I do want to, before I forget this, small businesses all over are going to be feeling the impact of the coronavirus pandemic for a very, very long time. If you have a small business trying to get the word out that you're still serving the community, let us know. You can send us an email, 98.7 ESPN at Gmail. 90, excuse me, it's not a point, 987, 987ESPN at gmail.com. Let us know your story. We can pass the word along to our listeners. Again, that's 987ESPN at gmail.com. All right, so rewatchable movie bracket. I gave you one of the matchups. I recapped the two games or the two matchups from yesterday. First one, the voting is open on Twitter at Gordon Damer, the number one seed Die Hard facing off against Terminator, and then decided to go to um, the wild card region 
and a real interesting matchup. I don't think that these two movies probably have ever been compared before, but that's what you get from the Gordon Damer Show. The number 11 seed, fresh off their last-second victory over 48 hours, it is the number 11 seed, Donnie Brasco. Okay, when I introduce you, I'm going to say, this is a friend of mine. That means you're a connected guy. Now, if I said instead, this is a friend of ours, that would mean you were a made guy. A capiche? Yeah, friend of mine, friend of ours. Another movie that is very hard to find clips of any real length without having some sort of profanity in it. But, you know, I'm not a person who really... I didn't really notice the uh, the amount of profanity in Donnie Brasco until looking for clips of Donnie Brasco. It's a, li- it's a little harder. It's fugazi. Uh, okay, so that's the number 11 seed, Donnie Brasco, and they are facing off against the number 7, Back to the Future. I'm going to read your thoughts. Let's see now. You come here from a great distance? Yeah, exactly. And don't tell me. Uh, you want me to buy a subscription to the Saturday Evening Post? No. Not a word. Not a word. Not a word now. Quiet. Uh, donations. You want me to make a donation to the Coast Guard Youth Auxiliary? Doc. I'm from the future. I came here in a time machine that you invented. Now, I need your help to get back to the year 1985. All right, so there you go. There's uh, Back to the Future, Donnie Brasco, a 7-11 matchup. And uh, the other matchup, which we gave you in the last segment, number one diehard facing off against the number five Terminator. We're coming off record high voting totals yesterday, so we'll see if we can push those even higher today. The voting is now open on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. So let's get some phone calls in on this uh, Wednesday morning. Chris, uh, the, 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 the heading is Chris Paul from Harlem. I don't know if it's the Chris Paul, but we'll take him either way. Chris, what's going on, my man? Hey, good morning, Gordon. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, my man. All right, and it is the Chris Paul, CP1. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, I like controversy, uh, Gordon, and I want to just go back a minute. Have you ever seen the movie Weird Science? Weird Science. That was one I really considered as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, Anthony I Michael didn't hear Hall. anything about it, but I find it hilarious. That bar scene, I just can't get enough of that bar scene, that Gordon. Yeah. That was that was a great one, you know. Probably, as I think about it more, yeah, probably should have been given greater consideration. That's a fantastic movie, 1985. Um, yeah, oh, it's boy, a great it's, one. It's, yeah, a lot of great scenes. Bill, uh, Bill, is it uh, Bill Pullman? Uh, no, it's not yeah, Bill Pullman. It's, Anthony uh, Hall. Back to, well, what's the guy's name? Michael oh, I can't Anthony think of the name. Hall. So. Yeah, no, Michael Anthony Hall and the other actor, but the brother Chet. I can't think of the oh, actor. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was also yeah. in Terminator. He's the guy in Terminator who absolutely, has to get his clothes. Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. can't think of his name right now. Yeah, Bill Paxton. Yeah, that's like it. Bill that's Paxton. Yeah. I was saying James uh, Paxton, Bill Pullman. I eventually got there. And you know, you know what I'm thinking about? What happened to uh, the um, um, the Monty Python series? Those guys. Yeah, you know, you know, Chris. There's just some that are just a little old and a little, you know. That's a that's okay. a that's a comedy classic, but it's a very niche kind of uh, comedy classic. Okay. And I just right. don't think right. that enough of our audience, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, either, you know, and, and maybe if we were to do this again next year, I was thinking about how we would do it. And Chris, thanks for the call. 
Uh, I was thinking maybe we would break it down by decade, right? Like make one bracket 70s movies, one bracket 80s movies, one bracket 90s movies, and then wild cards. And maybe make it so that if you got bounced in the opening round this year, you're automatically prevented from making the field next year. So we're going to have to figure out, a, you know, you don't want to have the same exact movies next year. And, of course, you're going to have some fluctuation over from year to year. But we have to figure out a way to do that. And there's also been some some speculation, some talk about, you know, who knows how long this coronavirus thing is going to go on. And it's not like we need a lot of stuff to fill the time, but it's been such a fun thing to do. And it's gotten so much reaction that maybe we come up with an NIT bracket of the movies that got rejected by the selection committee, that darn selection committee, and maybe we push them into the NIT bracket. So weird science certainly would be a very strong, maybe instead of 64, we only go with 32, but a lot of people complained about the movies that didn't make it. So maybe we might in April, the month of April, go and uh, look at maybe the possibility of uh, doing that as well. What you need to know as you're getting up, getting rolling on this Wednesday morning, maybe making your way downstairs to the home office, maybe uh, getting in the car because you're one of those essential people that we need out there right now, getting the the world working and keeping us all kind of functioning as uh, we need the, the, the essential people out there. And we congratulate and we thank them and we salute all those people for everything that they do. But what you need to know on this Wednesday morning, well, yesterday you get the uh, terrible news if you're a Met fan, terrible news if you're a baseball fan. The last thing you need with the uncertainty surrounding the world, the uncertainty surrounding baseball, is to lose another star player. And Noah Syndergaard, while he's coming off a career low year for him last year, he was a guy that you coming into this year you were hoping was finally going to fulfill the potential in your mind's eye of what Noah Syndergaard could be. You know, 2016, he was an all-star, and it looked like the the ceiling was the, the roof, as Michael Jordan would say. <laughs> and um, he has never really been able to to match that again because of injury, because of inconsistency. And last year, I think he was really one of the guys that was greatly impacted by the baseball. You know, the slider just did not uh, just did not function for him. And you watch him at times, and the question with him when you watch his stuff is not, is he a good pitcher? Is he going to be a good pitcher? Is he going to be a great pitcher? It's going to be, is he going to be the best pitcher? And at times he looks unhittable, and now it's not to be because of the announcement yesterday that Noah Syndergaard will undergo Tommy John surgery. You have to wonder, A, will it ever be the case that he is ever able to get back to those heights that he had in 2016? And will it ever be for the Mets? Have the Mets seen the best of what Noah Syndergaard will be for them? He's going to be out all of this year. He'll miss at least the the start of next year. Now, he is under team control for next year, but then he's a free agent. And the other part of this, and look, I said in the open, if you're not in the, the, the headspace right now to be looking at baseball, I get that. But if you do allow your mind to kind of get away from the the real news of the day and just kind of hope for a baseball season and and all that that entails, and it was supposed to be tomorrow was going to be opening day. Could you imagine if that had been the case, right? Tomorrow's opening day, and yesterday you get the news of Noah Syndergaard being gone for the year. But the other part of this that I think has to be taken into consideration is – how are they going to be able to actually schedule the surgery with everything going on in the world? 
Now, I know the Red Sox announced last week that Chris Sale was going to undergo Tommy John surgery. But at least so far, I don't know that that, uh, that surgery has taken place. They said at the time it would take place soon. I'm assuming that that was because of the uncertainty, given everything in the world right now. So the Mets said that they expect Noah Syndergaard back next April. It seems like that's a bit of a rosy picture for his return. And for the Met fan who will say, you know, why us? Why always us? Why are we the team that gets these injuries? Uh, as a Yankee fan, I'd say, no, you're not. Shut your mouth. We've had plenty of them as well. But last year, one of the reasons why last year was so frustrating was not just because you got another Cy Young out of DeGrom and you get this unbelievable rookie campaign from Pete Alonso, but last year you were pretty healthy, especially in the rotation. You got 32 starts out of DeGrom. You got 32 out of Syndergaard. Wheeler was healthy. Mats was healthy. And now, if there is a baseball season, whatever type of baseball season that's be, what a reduced schedule is going to be, you look at that Mets rotation, it is not the strength it has been heading into other seasons, with now DeGrom having to basically keep it up, right? He has to be awesome and at the level he's awesome again to make up for the loss of, of Syndergaard. You need Stroman in a full season with the Mets to be that strong number two, and then you got to kind of hope and pray the other guys step up. Mats, Porcello, Waka, all those guys have had some injury concerns. And the other thing we've touched on is Robbie Anderson. Yesterday you get the news. He's off to Carolina. Two years, $20 million. Not exactly breaking the bank. And it's pretty clear that whatever price Joe Douglas and the Jets had for Robbie Anderson, two for 20, was not it. Now, I don't think that Robbie Anderson is going to be a player where the Jets say to themselves, oh, my God, how do we ever let him get away? But it kind of forces you now in that first round to probably take a receiver. And with the needs on offensive line, it makes you wonder, are the Jets going to be bigger players now um, trying to find an offensive lineman through a trade, either with Washington or, or, or some other team? You know, linemen are not really all that available to begin with. Uh, and uh, is Trent Williams now going to be somebody the Jets have to go out and get? It's not like they have a whole lot of resources in terms of draft picks to be trading away for a 32-year-old who's also going to be wanting a big contract. That's very uh, uneasy situation. So they have a great need at offensive line. They have a great, huge hole at wide receiver. And it, when you want your quarterback and Sam Darnold to be taking this major step forward next year on an offense that was already dismal last year, abysmal last year it's it's a lot to ask and then of course we have the rewatchable movie bracket where opening uh, the uh, voting is now open on twitter at gordon damer our two matches for today in the uh sweet 16 is the number one seed in the action region die hard facing off against terminator and then in the uh, wild card region the number seven back to the future taking on the number 11 Donnie Brasco. So you can vote on those on Twitter at Gordon Damer. All right, let's get a couple more calls in here before we hand things off to Golik and Wingo. Top of the hour. Let's go out to uh, Preston in Ronkonkoma. Preston, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, Gordon? Love your show. Listen Thanks. to it all the time. Um, I was just thinking, I wasn't sure if the, how over the brackets were, but Easy Money was one of my favorite comedies of all time. And I was just wondering if maybe it was in there, or if it's not, maybe you could slide it in there. Yeah, no, we, well, we already made the brackets, Preston. Thanks for the call. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Now, it's never going to be, you know, you have to be of a certain age. I think that came out 83-ish, and uh, it's Rodney Dangerfield, Monty Capaletti. Uh, he's like a degenerate gambler. 
And uh, his uh, mother-in-law, who's uh, loaded, fakes her own... Oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. But she fakes her own death to get him straight and narrow. He knows that uh, if he turns his life around from gambling and smoking and drinking, other things, uh, that uh, he will uh, inherit this fortune. So he has like a month to turn it around. Fantastic uh, tour de force performance by Rodney Dangerfield and another uh, big-time performance by uh, Joe Pesci, who's in the movie. So, uh, yeah, Easy Money is another movie that I did consider. It's not uh, it's not available all that much. And again, what we're seeing with the brackets is that a lot of times, if it's not on TV a lot, it's very, very hard to get the younger audience to know about these movies. You know, you have to be of a certain time to know about these movies. And that's why I think from next year, if we do this again, and who knows what the world will look like by next year, maybe the better way to, to break things down rather than action and drama and comedy wildcard might be 70s movies, 80s movies, 90s movies, and the rest of them. And then you keep the young people, may, and, and that's part of the thing. Like I'd, I'd like people, you know, while you have this time, if you can go out and, and see some of these movies, I don't know if they'll resonate in the same way as they did in the time. I think you kind of have to be of that time. Like I go back and watch some movies from the 60s that are before my time, and I'm thinking to myself, why was there such a hullabaloo about, you know, why people talk about this? I feel like the acting before 1970 was not very good, but maybe that's just because I'm not of that time. So uh, you can vote on the... Uh, Two movies today, the four movies today, two spots in the Elite Eight. We'll be back with two more results tomorrow. Tomorrow, already Thursday. And uh, we got to touch on, you know, we did not ever get to the Joe Buck stuff from the other day. Joe Buck was on with the K show, and I feel like this was much more newsworthy that he is of his knowledge that, that the NHL, among the things that they're looking at for a plan to resume the season, is that they would start with one week of training camp and then jump right into the playoffs. At this point, I don't know. Maybe it's just where my head's at. It doesn't feel like either the NHL or the NBA are coming back. But just to have the idea, you know, out there that these leagues are still hopeful of resuming their season given these uncertain times, that's good news right now because we we need some good news with the way things are right now and the way things are looking like they're going to be here for the next couple of weeks. All right, it's going to do it for us for today. Hit up the poll questions on Twitter at Gordon Damer. We'll see you tomorrow at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.